So I'm trying to build out a calendar of annual comedy shows. Like I told, when I pitched owner of camp, I'm like, this is not just one show. First, yeah, obviously the first show is a proof of concept and you'll trust us, please. Yeah. But if this goes well, this is going This is going to be the annual Cat's Deadly Comedy Show. Because look, I could, I could do a show there once a month and it would sell out immediately, but it's a lot of work. But keeping it as the annual comedy show, my goal is in five to 10 years, this is the biggest show in comedy in New York. The annual Cat's Deadly Comedy Show that comics want to be on that will be the most impossible ticket to get to. I'm going with the flow, and thank you, Falaron. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Go With The Flow. I'm your host, Falaron Okulaja, here with another episode that I'm very, very, very excited for. Um, we have just been chatting for the last, like, 25 minutes, and I see the chemistry is already there. We might have to start, start, start our own podcast, but I'm here with David Levine. And for people who don't know, they're going to be like, who is this David Levine guy? Why is he on Go With The Flow? And I will get let you give your own full intro and everything. But I'm going to start with a shout out to my friend, Joelle. So shout out Joelle. A few, maybe like a month and a half ago, she sends a text to me and she's like, oh, there's this comedy show that goes on, but it's in different locations all over the city. In my mind, I wasn't sold. I'm like, what are you talking about? There's all these comedy clubs in the city that are historic why would i want to go to anywhere else but there to watch comedy but you know me i like trying new things gave it a chance she said the name was underground overground comedy and we went to the show it was in a gym showed up there right when we showed up there was a line down the block so i was like okay this is, this is kind of hot this is something people people want to see walk in they've cleared out the gym it's an intimate setting a great comedy show happens. Have a great time. Meet great people. Met David over here, who's one of the two co-founders. Mm -hmm. And that is what led to this to this right here. So, welcome to the show, David. <laughs> that was a great introduction. No ums, nothing. So, yeah, I guess I could start. My name's David Levine. I'm born and raised in New York City. And um, I've been producing pop-up comedy shows for about two years now. April of 2021. Done over about 100 and 10 shows. 110. You've answered one of the questions I was going to ask because it was 75 shows as of October of 2022. I did all my research, but wow. sorry, carry on. <laughs> how, did you, how did you find that number? There's actually a lot of articles about you, about Underground Overground online. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that, that adds up. And, you know, as we continue to expand, we're doing shows more and more frequently um, to a now we're at, we're at the point where we're doing about six shows a month, I would say. Six a month. Okay. Got it. And so just to preface... You've been featured. When I say you, I'm going to mean underground, uh, so yeah, overground. Yeah. And also because David has a co-founder. Shout yeah. out Ethan. How do I pronounce his last name? Mansoor. Ethan Mansoor. Shout out to you. Yes. Um, but underground, overground has been featured in People Magazine, The New Yorker, The New York Post, Time Out Magazine. Any I'm forgetting? And Uproxx. And Uproxx. Yes. There you go. And so just tell the people generally what is underground overground because again did yeah. a lot of research heard your or read your description of it but i think it would be helpful to get the explanation from you yeah so we produce pop-up comedy shows in unique small businesses all over new york city that will change one day we'll be all over but we'll go into your typical small businesses like laundromats candy stores because the thing is a lot of these retail spaces no one after they close at 7 p.m what are they doing for we, we, we offer them the idea if we come in after hours from 7 to 11, we don't interrupt your normal day. Why not make a few extra bucks, get some uh, young eyeballs in there? And uh, we're looking, I know we're looking for a certain thing. Every time we go to a venue, we're looking for low ceilings and pack it together. How can we make it intimate like a comedy club? Um, and just through word of mouth and consistency, we've been able to convince more and more venues. And as our social media following has grown, we're able to get into these spaces. And that's one thing that we will get into is the way that you do get people to show up only marketing through instagram and all that but it's funny because you what you just touched on i don't there's this website and i'm forgetting the name right now but it's one where you're allowed to book venues pure space pure pure space thank you i like yeah. this is this is good yeah. pure space one of my friends had a birthday party there it was like in a, it had a birthday party through there in an art studio mm -hmm. and i was like how did you get to run out the space and he was like oh pure space yeah 
They are able to rent out different venues all over the city. For my birthday party, actually, October birthday parties, birthdays on the 5th, parties on the 23. Yeah, I just turned 25. Yeah, you're an old man. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> but the party was on the 8th. Okay. I actually rented out a, it was a, just like a, a clothing store. And then after hours, it cleared out, got to bring in DJ speakers, set up a bar, and then just had a party there. Underutilized retail space. Every year, I'm like, every few months, I'm adding a new keyword, like underutilized. <laughs> I never used that in our first pitch, but underutilized retail space. And yeah, um, these owners, they're the ones that are creative. It depends. So when we first started, the way I knew we would get a venue or not is, this is 2021. If the owner was wearing a mask when oh. I walked in, I knew there was no chance to say yes. <laughs> um, and then, if, but if they weren't wearing a mask and I was like, okay, they'll be more open, they're creative. And you'll be surprised how many people being in New York City have like comedy aspirate, like an owner's like, oh, I used to do a show. I went to these shows. So they're connected to the arts. Got it. And so a little bit about yourself. You born and raised in New York City. Yeah. You met Ethan when you played chess together. Back in the day, I did my research. Yeah. Don't be surprised. I like to, I do my due diligence. And you went to Syracuse University where you started doing comedy. Yes. What was your comedic inspiration? What made you want to get into, into doing comedy? Oh, this is crazy. So I started stand up comedy actually my senior year of high school. I went to school in the Upper West at Columbia Prep. Um, and then I went to Syracuse and I did shows here and there throughout uh, Syracuse. Um, what got me started? Honestly, it was like Eddie Murphy Delirious great special great special that i watched with my family when i was 13 14 yeah probably shouldn't have been watching that with your family is a yeah. 13 14 year old my, i have a crazy aunt my dad's sister so i watched it with her and then i sort of i remember crying of laughter and it's funny i read kevin hart's book and delirious would inspired him too what's the name of that book i also read that book the, I, it's what he's holding dogs yes i can't yes. make this up i, I can't think. make this up that's the one good book, good book. um inspired. i love reading are those, is that an autobiography or biography what are those, what's the difference i think auto is when you write it yourself I've been, i read it so i guess it was an autobiography i read a ton of uh, autobiographies about comics and uh yeah delirious inspired him too i had the comedy bug and then he was probably my main inspiration but my humor was more quick one-liners and just telling facts about my family okay and so, you start of COVID, you saw that most of the comedy clubs were shut down in New York City. Mm -hmm. You were looking for, I think, you, was it you or Ethan that attended a comedy show in the in a hotel lobby? That was Ethan. Ethan attends a comedy show in a hotel lobby, thinks about this idea of, oh, how do we get comedy going in this time when comedy clubs are shut down? It wasn't even that big of a thought. It was, uh, he saw Sam Morrill at the Wilson, Sam Morrill and Phil Hanley, and it was... Sam Marill put out a special, like a rooftop special. He was just doing different. And we we're like, how can I? He was like, how can I get Sam Marill to come to my friend's rooftop and do a show? It was just one show for family and friends. Uh huh. Because um, nothing was going on. And then, should I get right into the story about Sam, how we got started? Yeah, get, 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 yeah, yes, please. <laughs> it's crazy. So he sees Sam Marill. I go see Sam Marill a week later because he's doing every Tuesday at the Wilson. Um, and he's, I go up to Sam after and he says, uh, just call my agent. And I have two friends. I have my friend. Eric Rosebloom, Sugar Man. That's his nickname. Uh, shout out Sugar Man. <laughs> who had a rooftop. And then I tore my ACL in high school. And I had a trainer who opened, my physical therapist who opened a gym. Who had a space because he opened a gym during the pandemic. It was empty. So we had these two spaces. I call Sam Morrill's agent. And they're not really interested. They're like, you know, COVID was so starting to wind. The comedy clubs are opening up a couple weeks later. Mm -hmm. um, but I knew Sam Morrill was best friends with this guy named Mark Norman. Who's another big comic. That name I know. Yep. Um. So I told Sam Morrill's comic, Sam Morrill's agent that I booked Mark Norman for $500. And I told uh, Mark Norman's agent I booked Sam Morrill for $500. <laughs> and, that, and, that, and then we just had them all booked, those two comics. three. And the deal was if we booked them twice, uh -huh. booked Mark Norman twice, we'll get that rate. So we had three shows in a span of a week, the 6th, the 9th, and the 12th, I believe. And we had to find a way to... And it was just for family and friends. And all, and all, wait, is this, sorry, is this the rooftop or is this the, the it went, gym? And when gym, rooftop, gym. Okay, gym, rooftop, gym. What was that initial traction like for those first three shows? Did people show up? Did they not show up? How were you feeling after those happened? I was worried. But the thing is, those shows with COVID-friendly policies, it was just 25 people, mm -hmm. 25, 30 people in a space. <clears throat> that could usually fit 70. Mm -hmm. So really just me being from New York and Ethan being from New York were childhood friends that you nailed. Um, but we went to different high schools. Okay. Um, so we had different friend groups. And through word of mouth, then since nothing was going on, we were able to fill those up. Okay. But since they went well, 
And that's how it started to spiral. And I love it because I didn't tell you the questions beforehand, but naturally it's leading kind of yeah. into, into my next questions. Mm -hmm. And so after you did those first three shows, did you know that you had something that could then scale or what was the general sentiment like internally? And was it like, okay, we've done these three shows, let's shut it down. Or did you think, okay, this kind of worked out well, let's see how big we can take this. So yeah, um, going back to that time, I was still graduating school. I was working remote. I mean, I was home. So my senior year, like everyone our age, uh, COVID happened junior year, second semester junior for me. And instead of going back to campus, my senior year, I stayed home. Okay. And then, so I'm in the, trying to apply for jobs at these I wanted to go to a comedy agency UTA CA WME they were not hiring me <laughs> one because they were really hiring and two I'm just not the I'm not a good candidate um, but my thoughts was when we booked these comics if I can impress someone like Mark Norman who's at UTA maybe you can put a good word to the agent and I get a, get a I can get a job uh-huh so that was the only inclination towards like a, an angle but it was never doing it. and then we did three shows we're like let's have fun let's do one more we're doing them once every two weeks um and then we had that point where we hit the summer. We're like, are we going to just, let's just do this for the summer. I don't have a job. Let's just do this for the summer. And during this time, I'm dog walking. I have a whole dog walking business. Okay, nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ethan's in pre-med. So he's like, you know, and we were going to figure, and he's working, he was doing part-time at dent, like uh, dental offices, just doing mm -hmm. the desk. Uh, let's just go through the summer and see how it goes. But one thing that I always laugh about is we've always bought the equipment, like the speakers. We didn't have, so we had to rent these speakers. And if you go to B&H, B&H Dairy, no, that's the food spot. B&H Photo. Okay. They have a 30-day return policy. Mm. So we were, we would buy like $900 with the speakers, but we marked it on the calendar. Okay, we buy another <laughs> set. We're going to return it. By the so we did like a few returns. Uh -huh. And then we like, and then we finally bought it and we were like, okay, we have something. So we would buy equipment with the intention to return it 29, in 29 days. Uh -huh. And then after the summer, I realized, we realized, okay, we may have something. And... Uh when did okay? So then, after how many thirty day sessions did you eventually not return it after that? Probably two or three. Okay, fair enough. Because then we had to also upgrade the equipment. We had these quiet speakers, you know. And we about two or three. And one of the things that I am always most fascinated with uh, is, regardless of the idea, is kind of the actual going from inception of the idea to actually making it happen. How? hard was that to actually materialize or did things sort of just fall into place when you guys knew it was something that you were trying to put in place there was a few moments here and the reason why i think we're like i think we're, we've been successful is we thought about it completely backwards even our name underground overground comedy we didn't have a real that we never really put much thought into it the reason for that name is we were it was illegal technically because we weren't ha we were doing larger gatherings and spaces where you weren't supposed to but we were popping up on your rooftop and popping up at your popular place near you, underground, overground. Okay. If we feel like if we thought about the name, we would never, we would still not have a name today. <laughs> and we didn't care about make, our money. Thought was like also when we first started, was like let's just do this. For, let's not lose money. I don't care about making money. Mm -hmm. Let's just not get burnt. Let's, let's break process. even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's break even. And that's been our pro our process has never been about making money. Like if we, I believe by the mindset, I think I heard on Shark Tank, if you're the best at what you do. Even if you're playing chess, you're gonna the money will come. So that's been the mentality from the beginning, just being the absolute, try to make the best. And me being a comic and going to a lot of shows beforehand, I sort of had a sense, and Ethan as well, of what works at a club and what doesn't. Um, I can go into that too. Which like, is real quick, because yeah. again, you just talked about you being a comic. Mm -hmm. I read again in all my- I'm retired now. That's the, okay. That's, that's what I was going to get at. Cause I think I read yeah. somewhere that initially, and this is what you kind of were getting yeah. at earlier is you had an angle. If you do one for these standups, they might recommend you, whatever, whatever. Yeah. And so you guys would both do a set at each of the initial shows. Yeah. Just because we didn't know any comics, we were the hosts. Okay. Or I would do my five minutes in the beginning. But okay. then I realized, first of all, being a comic, God bless them. It's a different part of your brain to handle like for a joke not to work, to get up and get up and get up. Like I felt like if I did 10 bad shows in a row, which would happen in college or doing mics, it affects you mentally. Yeah. So to be able to organize a show and organize set, to organize set and organize a show, there's so many small things that go into it. I think it's two, two different parts of the brain. So I decided I'm going to focus on the, the behind the scenes. And also, I used to make the joke is, if I would go up in the beginning and bomb, I don't care if Dave Chappelle came and had a great set. I'm in my head saying this show sucks. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> trying to separate myself from the show so I can analyze, was this good? Why was it good? What can we do to make it better? I had to remove myself. Okay. And after, again, first few shows, you decided you want to keep doing it. 
what would you say your initial bar for success was and how has that developed and changed over time? Because you said initially you were just trying to break even. Yeah. I think when you realize you have something special, you're like, oh, how much money can we actually make? How has your thought about what you had, how has that developed over time? Yeah. Um, I think the way, the great thing about comedy, it's pretty easy, I think, to tell how the experience, are people laughing? And how loud's that laughter? Early, we've had some rough shows. I'm not one to hide, but I treat every show still like it's life or death because like, I want people to have the best time of their life. That's the mindset. So there's no room forever. So like during the shows, I'm so stressed. Now in terms of success, it's still, I think, once you start thinking about the money, we've had, we can talk about other angles of how the show makes money, but it's just think about how can I make the show as good as possible. Like for example, when we do shows at a candy store, or we have a big show, we're paying for $600 worth of candy. We don't need to go above and beyond and buy $600 worth of candy. We just feel like if we add that element and it's on people's seat when they walk in, holy shit. And that, always going for that holy shit. Yeah. And that's been our priority. And that's why more doors have opened and we've been able to pull off bigger venues and sell more tickets. Who was, or which venue was the first one to say yes to you that got you even more excited? And how many no's before you got the first big yes? I get no's all the time. Yeah, I can, but, I can imagine. Uh, it's funny because Andy, real quick, I there's a lot, even when I was reading the story, there's so many similarities between what you guys are doing versus what I think I'm trying to do in podcasting yeah. also, between trying to get different guests on, having mm -hmm. them all say no, just many, you're going to get many big no's before you get the first yes, just having to be persistent, doing it because you love it, not because you're trying to make money. Mm -hmm. A lot of different similarities, but sorry. And the worst thing is, you know, is what's worse than a maybe? Like, I'll, yeah, I'll think about it. Oh, don't yes. Oh, I was like, what is worse than a maybe? Nothing. Well, maybe, yeah. Yeah, maybe that's the worst thing. Yeah. Because I'd rather a venue tell me I'm not interested. Yes. Yes. Because I can't stand when we're messaging a venue, not going to shut but just, they don't respond or say, well, think about it and I have to follow up. And, but and, we're, and yeah. nothing wrong following because I don't mind following oh, up. But if yeah. you lead me on for way too long, then it gets annoying. Exactly. Just give me, I think people assume that a no will hurt your feelings or whatever way more than it does. I like the no so I could just move on. Yeah. And then Armand said, until we get a fuck no, we're going to be following yeah. up. Email, <laughs> yeah. Like, well, yeah. So, um, what was the other, was the other part? Question, question was, who was the, how many no's to okay. the first yes? Who was the first venue that really got you? First venue that's exciting is La La Laundry. And that's early on the laundry mat because okay. that was the first real small business. We were doing a rooftop and a gym, but both, let's call it family friend connection, um, where we had the inn. It wasn't really as much convincing. Yeah. La La Laundry is a random business owner. Um, this guy, I believe he was from Vietnam. So there was already, no language barrier, but just like a different, it's just dealing in a small business. Come here, he opens a laundromat. They were also a flower shop. Um, and the way, the way this guy negotiated was the most strict man in the world. <laughs> no budging. As soon as you gave him the money, he was the most drunk at the show. <laughs> Not the most drunk, but he would have a great time. So yeah. uh, shout out Pranay. He would have a blast at the shows. And for him to let us in, and I think it was a time during the pandemic where retail was still, now they're doing a lot better. Well, they, you know, having the extra eyeballs and the press helped them too. So Lala Laundry was the big one because it was a legit small business. Um, it was quirky. Going into a laundromat at 10 p.m. Yeah, I don't go to laundromats, period. Yeah, Thanks. Exactly. I have one in my building, yeah. <laughs> um, and it felt very New York. Um, how many no's until he has? I, I can tell the story about cats in a sense. Oh, no, we'll get to cats. So, okay. yeah, hold, 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 yeah, hold okay. on. Yeah, yeah, of course, you know I got questions about yeah. cats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first no's. <laughs> It's just, there's so many small ones. I don't think it was like a big no. Like, it's just, you know, trying to find venues. And the next big yes, though, I would say in terms of like an iconic institution was Economy Candy. Candy store. Am I just not? I'm, see, I've only lived in New York for one mm -hmm. year. So I must not know what the iconic institutions are. But what is, I've never heard of Economy it's Candy. It's the longest, the oldest candy store in New York City. Oh, wow. Okay. There's, you know, there's Dylan's Candy Bar. But there's like... <laughs> you never heard of Dylan's Candy Bar? I've never heard of Dylan's Candy Bar. Wow, that's like a chain all over the world. Dude. Uh, yeah, that's huge. Okay. Oops. You got some research. <laughs> but yeah, beside that, uh, Economy Candy is the oldest New York City candy store. Okay. Been around since the early 19... 1930? No, 1900. I think the 19... I should know the date. I used to... We do trivia all the time internally just to stay sharp, but <laughs> they were the first people to say yes, and that put us on the map. That was like the first show where we said like, where we just did a ticket sale drop mm -hmm. and they sold that immediately. Wow. Okay. And so you've done shows in laundromats, gyms, barbershops, recording studios, tattoo parlors, to name a few, excluding cats yet. Don't get to cats. Yeah. I said, I'm going to get to cats. 
of all the different venues that you've done shows in, do any stand out to you as your favorite, the most unbelievable? Just which which type of venue stands out to you? I don't want to select it, but I am. I'm pretty outspoken. I love all the venues we work with. My personal favorite is Astor Place Hairstylist. Okay. It is a um, right on Astor Place, two Astor Place. It's another, I, I feel, iconic institution. Have you heard of them? That one I actually have. I think I only found that one, I think I found out of. Found out about because when I moved to the city and I was trying to find a barbershop. Yeah. I think that name came up. I think Dave Chappelle gets his cut there too. He does. Yeah. He does. And so he's on their Instagram. I think they just posted him on their Instagram. You saw that Very too. Very recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I told the, I texted the owner, like, you couldn't spread the word? But you know, I can't bother him like that. But uh, um, that place, because when you walk, something about walking down the steps, it's sort of like where it has that speakeasy vibe. Yeah. And there's like the marble, uh, the black and white checkered floor, low ceilings. And it's like one of the first venues too where we can hold more than 100 people. And the way we could set it up, we can sort of have like a back room where they can come out onto a stage at, like through a curtain and it sort of feels very production-like. Yeah. Um, that, and just the people who work there, the history there, that's that's my favorite venue. Okay. And so now to what I presume you would also agree is the biggest show that you've done yet is Katz's Deli. Absolutely. Which for anyone who does not live in New York, does is not from New York, is one of the most iconic storied restaurants in the city. Mm -hmm. It's been around for over 100 years. It's funny because I only found out about it I've lived in the city for just over a year now, mm -hmm. but like three, four months ago at work, what some what someone at work just kind of like took us all out to lunch. I was like, where are we going? He said, Katz's Deli. I said, that sounds weird, but okay. But you go there, you oh, see yeah. all, you yeah. you first you eat the pastrami sandwich, which is, which is amazing. Yep. You see all the face on the wall. It was the middle of the day and there was still a line outside the door. <laughs> yeah. And then you start to bring it up and then you just learn about how storied of a franchise it is in New York City. And so you guys held a comedy show there. <clears throat> I... I'm curious about what initially made you think was even possible. Mm -hmm. And then this is another one where I'm just like, what type of, of follow-up was necessary before you eventually got that yes? That whole process? Um, well, Katz is, well, it's funny you say that you ate it for lunch. I don't know how people can eat a pastrami sandwich and <laughs> go to work after. Like, One thing when we touch about how that show went is like there was a reason why the food came after the show. Mm -hmm. Um so the way the cat's process started was well, there's the famous movie Harry Met Sally. Have you heard of that movie? I have. I like this. I'll keep keep this yeah. up. Keep this up because there's an, my one of my favorite sayings is common knowledge is not common or is it common sense is not common? Something about yeah. how what you think is common basically isn't common. So keep keep this up. Keep me on my toes. I want to see if I actually know the things I should know. Yeah. <laughs> so Harry Met Sally. But there's that iconic scene. Um, and just going there. Uh, What's funny is I actually went there for the first time. I could have went there when I was really young, but my visit was actually when I was in 10th grade in high school. We did a field trip there. We did that in like the Tenant Museum across the street. That's like a, a history of New York class. Okay. Um, but yeah, we just walked in. We always had the sense because once again, I'm always, I have this problem now. I actually just can't walk around and relax when I'm walking the city. I'm always looking at like, I'm twisting my neck, looking at venues. Can this be a venue? Could, you, a could you do one right here in this space? Might be a bit tight for us now, <laughs> <laughs> but low ceilings and uh, it's just, I think it's just more a little bit too thin. But yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I walk in and uh, I'm always looking. I walk in because you never know which place has a hidden basement, a rooftop. They have a space in the back. So, cats, as I knew from a layout perspective, it's a rectangle. It will work. Um, the first person we asked was I walked in. It's where you pay actually when you come out one of the spots if you're paying cash, I believe. Um, I said, hey, who can I speak to? Um, then I asked a cutter, and then I sent like two or three cold emails, and then someone got back to me. I had a phone call. I'm going through everything. I had a phone call with her February 2022. Who's her? I don't remember the name. Okay. <laughs> because she's not. She's the one I had the intro call, and then she connected me with. Okay. And then a guy named David Manheim. Shout out David Manheim, who had a, uh, a YouTube series called The Last Jewish Waiter at Katz's. And um, I never forget the phone call. He said, listen. There's dreamers like us, and then there's owners. <laughs> so I'm going to pitch him. I'm going to tell him I really like you. And he does like event, special events and catering for them. And then I'll connect you with Jake. Jake Dell is now the fourth generation owner at Katz's. And we just had a meeting with him. And I remember the two areas where we impressed him. It was one we really thought it through. We were going to Katz's to eat all the time. I We knew the square footage of this place when we went to meet with him. Um, was We offered to pay cash for the venue. And he okay. was like, how the hell are you going to get that cash? It's because we sold all the tickets in advance, um, which was still nuts. And then we was like, "You have, do you guys have insurance?" And we had the insurance document ready because he was not expecting us to have a certificate you already of insurance. Have it. Interesting. Because we by doing before we did Katz's, 
we did about 70 shows. Okay. So we sort of knew a little bit. We're still, what questions are going to be thrown away? What are the red flags? At the time, we were 24 years old. Um, think about it. I'm, the problem with these venues is we're two 24-year-olds. I'm usually dressed in sweatpants and a sweatshirt. <laughs> we both got crazy curly hair, me and Ethan. And we walk in. We say, hey, can we come in after hours? Yes, there'll be alcohol involved. Yes, there'll be this. You can understand why they're like- Most people would be a little hesitant, yeah. And that's where the traditional press has helped us a ton. Okay. Because it's like, okay, if the New Yorker wrote about them. But it's funny, for like traditional press, I'm not sure how much it sells tickets. It's more about legitimacy and for older people. Yeah. That's how I look at and it. And that's, yeah, that is one thing that I was curious about is how soon until, I forget which of the big bigger articles came out first, yeah. how soon until, or before you got that first <coughs> yeah. or article or whatever. The New York Post is the first one that came out that summer in okay. August, which uh, was the first legitimate. And like, so also back to traditional press, that's what I send them, my send my mom. That keeps the parent, that keeps my mom happy. Keep the parents off our back. She's heard of People Magazine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> New York Post was the first idea. Like, hey, we're popping in different places, and they, and they liked it. Because that's the thing I really feel. We started a month earlier before everything. The clubs, forced show started happening, so we mm-hmm. sort of had that word of mouth head start on people. Mm-hmm. Um, but after the New York Post article it was the first time we created the Google waitlist form for people to sign up that we don't know. So the first ten to twelve shows we did was actually word of mouth, texting group chats. I would, we have a 30 person, I know you can only have like 20 people in a group chat and I would send out mass messages saying, this is the details, uh, no phones, be respectful at the show. And that, I, I love it because you keep touching on things that I want to touch on also with the, cause like we've mentioned earlier, you guys only have a Instagram page. People have to DM the show. There's a Google form, yeah. I think in the, in the, link in, tree. in the link tree where you have to go and you get on the wait list yeah. at a certain point. Do you think that you need to maybe expand, not the like infrastructure, but the way oh. that you go about getting people to Absolutely. show up? Absolutely. I'm doing this all manually right now, and it's a bit crazy. And now I look at it as busy work to clear my head. Um, and we want to make it – like our whole big thing was we want the shows to be like, you know, when it's a big show, it's going to be the hardest ticket to get to yeah. without being exclusivity, without being snobby. Okay. Because we want – it's just like yeah, I feel like that – That's York, a hard balance to strike. It's a hard yeah. balance because yeah. we're trying to get to everyone. Um, but like when we did Katz's, 10,000 people sign up on the wait list. Wow. Alone. For how many tickets? For 250. 250. Wow. So did, did it sell out literally? One minute. <laughs> wow. One minute. It crap. We Eventbrite gave us problems. And we've had some Eventbrite. We had another issue with Eventbrite another time uh, where we actually got hacked the Eventbrite where the, the cash out was someone else got in and sent it to their account. Dang. We almost had to get the police involved, but thankfully it was resolved. Um out to the point where Ethan's the only one who sees the account, uh-huh. and I don't even go on it because I trust. Because what happens will be a three, two, two of us, different f- a phone or laptop, all going in there. Too many pat now. He's got it. It was. Terrifying. I would. I would think that you've gotten to the point now where, mm-hmm. and again, I don't know if there is a target number of followers on Instagram or something yeah. you guys are shopping for, but I would think that you've gotten to a point where. Even if you expanded just past the Instagram and past the Google form, you are still able to keep that level of Pers- exclusivity and-, and personal touch. It's like I'm texting, like, uh, like I'll like uh, I'll text someone, like, "Hey Matthew, you're now on the, uh, the name of the waitlist. Let me know if this works for you." You could pay someone to do that, or have like yeah. an automated way to do that. I and think that's what we're trying to figure out through Instagram. Okay, so there's SMS services which we are working, which is soon to happen. It's just something about going through a DM, which is very personal, mm-hmm. because you don't get you get spam text, you get spam email. Not really spam text. We never we've never sent an email. No, wow. We've never sold a ticket through an email, um, just because personally I don't respond to them. Fair. And then, <laughs> and then once you go, you never they don't stop. You don't stop hearing from them. Yeah. And it sort of annoys you. So it's always through texting. Or DMing, and we're trying to figure out a way to do mass messaging through DMing. Okay, got it. So eventually, you will expand. Just past that's the system we're trying to work out. Okay, on. and so then going back to to the Katz's show because yeah. that is even one where it was on the local news. There was a bunch of different articles about it. How did you go about picking which comedians would? And then actually, specifically on this, because then I also want to focus on the comedians because yeah. I haven't asked any questions about that and I have a few about that. Yeah. But for this big show, the massive show, how did you go about trying to gather the comedians for that one specific show? Well, the good thing about Cats is, is that it's legendary. So when mm-hmm. comics heard it, they were like, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and another thing I just want to go touch base on the the on the pitch to how we got Cats's mm-hmm. is... Cats is in similar to Economy Candy, which I mentioned earlier, is I'm trying to build out a calendar of annual comedy shows. 
Like I told when I pitched owner cam, like this is not just one show. First, yeah, obviously the first show is a proof of concept, and you'll trust us, please. Yeah. But if this goes well, this is going. This is going to be the annual Cat's Deli comedy show. Because look, I could I could do a show there once a month and it would sell out immediately. But it's a lot of work. But keeping it as the annual comedy show, my goal is in five to ten years, this is the biggest show in comedy in New York. The annual Cat's Deli comedy show that comics want to be on. That will be the most impossible ticket to get to. Um, so I pitched him on that vision. And when I think anything like that, there's also there was a Jewish connection there. <laughs> but um, <laughs> he had his bar mitzvah there. You know, was, uh, but convincing comics. So we knew how special of a room it is. And uh, that's how they honestly, it wasn't as tough as you think. I'll give you an example about two comics though. Comic Roy Wood Jr. One of the greatest. I met him in Central Park performing wow. under a tree. I know who he is, by the way. If you're going to White House correspondent dinner. Yes, I know. Yes, 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 yes. Um, he's someone who I met him in Central Park, early pandemic, and uh, I told him about it. He gave me his phone number right away. Nicest guy. And, just, and then I called it. I didn't want to bother him because I thought I, I messaged him about two shows in the past, and he just he just blew me off. He's a family. <laughs> and then I called his agent, and his agent's like. Yeah, I don't think so. He's working on a big project. So I said, fuck it. I'm just going to text Roy. As soon as I texted him about Cats, he said, how the fuck did you pull this off? I'm in. <laughs> and that's one of my great, uh, amazing stories. And then the other comics, Mark Norman, Jessica Kirsten, we've had relationships with before. They loved it. And then there was David Tell, who performed in that show, who I think in person is the greatest comic of all time. David Tell, I, that's a name I don't know. I'm going to write it He's down. A, I, I, I feel just people calling me a comics comics. I just think he deserves all the flowers in the world. David Tell. But he always does the late show at the Comedy Cellar. He's the last spot on the late show. Okay. Um, he did Bumping Mics with Jeff Ross on Netflix. That was probably his biggest thing. But uh, he was tough to convince. He was giving me a maybe. I was at cat. I was at the Comedy Cellar where he performs at 2 a.m. the night before to make sure he was coming. <laughs> he was like, yeah, maybe. I'll, I'll see. I'll see. And then I also, a part of the pitch to these comics besides paying them was you're going to get free cats at deli. There you go. Sandwiches. Um, but the way I convinced David Tell as well is the guy who works the door at Cats is a guy named Steve. Steve is the man. If you ever, he's a guy wearing a Yankee hat out front. And he told me, if I get Dave to show up, you'll give me some cats, uh, some some food. And I said, done. <laughs> done deal. That, so, that, was, that was the motivation he needed, you needed to make it happen. So after the show, he actually pulled up and I bought I bought him and someone else got uh, cats' two pastrami sandwiches. And did the show go as well as you could have imagined? How was, uh, how did you, when you reflect back on it, how do you look at that night in perspective? Incredible. It was the first show to ever happen, comedy show to ever happen at Cats. So to have like a thing in history that's never been done before in New York. No one can take that away from I'm you. I'm stealing Ethan's line for that one because that's what he said and uh, he always talks about like, but did I have like, an, like no one's ever done that before. Yeah. And it makes sense. Like uh, a Jewish deli and comedy, it's just it really, there's a lot of synergy there. Um, what was the question? There, it was just looking back in perspective. Looking back. <laughs> yeah. I think you answered uh, it. On, uh, but honestly, yeah, I wasn't, it was amazing, mm -hmm. heroic, the lights, fantastic. The show could have been better, and there's a reason for that. There's 250. We gave so many tickets to family and friends early access, mm -hmm. and those are people who are there for us. Mm -hmm. They're not comedy fans. I thought the laughter could have been better in there because we had all star lineup. Not that it wasn't a funny night, but I know what a banging crowd sounds like who's yeah. there for comedy versus. No one older than 50 should have been there, respectfully. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm openly prejudiced towards age. <laughs> that is our shows. There's some funny people above that age, but friends, bringing friends. Because we couldn't tell... They support us from the beginning. We wanted to give them an early chance to get tickets. Um, Next year, we are not doing that. Like okay. I appreciate everyone came last year. This is open to the public fully, all 300 tickets. And I think it'll be way so there are So you are definitively going to do it again next year, and it's going to be an annual show? Yeah, we're about to... Yes. Okay. <laughs> I won't say that. Yes, yes, yes. Well, yeah, I won't yeah. say the date because okay. uh, we're going to make a special announcement about that. But okay. uh, Or you could have break it here on Go With The Flow. That would be a no plan. <laughs> we're going to be announcing soon. But yes, it'll be an, the goal is this where we have agreed for a year two and the goal is to continue to make this the annual show. Love that. Hopefully, hopefully. In the fall. Can my birthday present to Joelle be I get her a ticket to that Are you guys dating? No, we're not dating. That's just a good friend. I thought, she, and she's not dating. Uh, no, they were just LJ. good friends. Yeah. Shout out LJ. Shout, shout out, out LJ. Ray. Shout out LJ. Shout out Rachel. Shout out Joel. Yeah. No, no one is dating. Okay. It's funny because we did the we did show up and we were like four black people. And as the so who, wait, remind me of the community. Sherrod Small. Sherrod Small. Shout out to him. There's a yeah. very funny clip that he posted about us, and we were the I think the four black people there. And so I think he just like thought people thought we were like couples. Yeah. Everyone. It was very couple heavy, it's which I think is just like a comedy thing. Yeah. But back to what you were saying about the age thing. 
younger crowd. People were laughing. Comedians were great. It mm-hmm. was just a very, a very good time. But yeah, that's that is exciting to see. And after that show, do you now have other venues reaching out to you? trying to get you to exactly go well, there. the big thing about cats was it opened the doors and i feel like a lot, all that press the local press people were now reaching out to us to uh come into their space gotcha really- which i was which must be such a moment of like joy and feel like you've accomplished something because it's interesting yeah. for me because i mentioned this when i was speaking speaking a little bit earlier i've had and again i always preface by saying this is something i do because i love it yeah i get a lot of joy out of it yeah. I've gotten some big guests on the show, and you're always like, oh, maybe this will be the one, like more views, closer yeah. to get more views. But there hasn't really been one to like crack like that. Yeah. And so, from your perspective, when you do get that one show that gets all the press, goes as well as you wanted, I can only imagine what that moment feels like. It was, it felt good. Agent, the agents that weren't hiring me, they were calling. They were reaching out. <laughs> uh, just, to get, just to get tickets, and they're like, I was told by like my friends who were assistants, like, you guys are being talked about. In the in the comedy meeting, which really felt good, and wow. but I'm already it's sort of me being like constantly how we, I'm already anxious now. What's the hype going to be for your tour? Because I, I don't expect to get that kind of press, but is the hype going to be the same? Or so just, I think so. China, I think so, and that's such a hard thing to create. Mm-hmm. That again, the name is perfect. Underground, overground. Yeah, it is very much the word of mouth. Yeah, that is the only way you spread it. And it's something that even just from being there that night, the way people talk about how hard it is to get the tickets, I think you've been able to to achieve that. Word, I still believe word of mouth is everything. Yeah, a friend telling a friend they had a good time goes further than anything. Which is why any conversation I'm in, I'm like, you have you heard of the podcast? Go with the flow. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. And I would say, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Because yeah, word of mouth is. I, it, it, I agree. Yeah, one of the most special things that you can do. Um. So then back to the comedians. Mm-hmm. So you've had some big names mm-hmm. you work with some i was gonna say startup comedians yeah. <laughs> up and coming comedians yeah, yeah. that's the term i was looking for <laughs> when it comes to the more up and coming comedians how do you go about selecting who who comes on yeah so i think what uh differentiates ourselves from other independent shows respectfully is that there's a lot of independently comic run independent shows and i think when they're your comic producing a show there's a lot of politics you're booking your friends so you can get booked on their show. Mm. And the level of quality is maybe not there. And you also, you're worrying about your performance rather than the, the little things that go into making a good show. Mm-hmm. Um, so when in terms of like booking shows, I don't have to worry about, you know, it's not a, sh- a spot for a spot. So I'm going to shows all the time and I usually, we don't really take referrals too much. Mm-hmm. And I and that's why I'm, I spend most of my nights. And now comedy is a small community. I've done over a hundred shows, reputation, and then just, yeah. That's how I, that's how I, and the DMing, that's a great thing about social media. Who are the, two-part question, you mentioned David Tells, your favorite comedian, yeah. so I'm curious also about some of your other favorite comedians, just your favorite comedians, they might not even be good for Underground Underground, but just your favorite comedians, and then who are some of the dream comedians to get to perform, and I think I'd asked you this um, when I met you that first yeah. night, so I think I might know who some of your answers are, but tell the people. Okay, I'll start with my favorite comedians that I've worked with. And then I'll go into the dream comedians who are great, who I hope to have. Um, Mark Norman, he's a mensch. He just got a Netflix special. He's fantastic. Um, another guy in New York who's from Chicago, doesn't have social media. Um, this guy named Ethan Simmons Patterson from Chicago. He's also a nurse part-time, or he was. I'm not sure. He is, he's like, he's like a comics comic in a way, because I think if he had social media, he'd be way bigger. Um, Phil Hanley gives a lot of love early on. Marcelo Hernandez. Just got SNL recently. It's a killer. Um, there's so many comics. I worked. I'm try- I one number I don't know, which I would love to figure out is how many different comics we work. You've with. worked with. You guys don't have like an Excel spreadsheet. I do. I just have to count it. Okay, send yeah. it. Send it my way. I'll make it right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sherrod. Then there's Maddie Weiner, who's an up and coming star. I truly believe. Um, Jessica Kirsten is like a, a vet in the industry who really incredible. I. I I go on and on and on. Dream comics I would want to work with in New York are Shane Gillis, who I think is ascending into top five territory. Yeah, I think he just opened for. Isn't he opening for Chappelle? Exactly at MSG. Yeah, it's just, um, it, he's unbelievable. Uh, and then there's a comedian named Godfrey. Um, Godfrey, um, he's in Soul Plane. He, he, I feel like he's been on Brilliant Idiots before. I he might have been. Hold on. Okay. His impersonations and accents, like he is a the way he knows the craft. He makes me cry every yes, time. Yes, Godfrey. He has been on Brilliant Idiots. Very funny. Yes, yes, yes. Um, 
other stars that we're trying to work with in New York? I guess like any of the big names with the past in New York, because you know what my mentality is with like, I've seen Chris Rock a bunch. He's always in Soho. He doesn't really say hi, but. Uh, <laughs> Come on, Chris, say hi. Is <laughs> uh, I truly feel, and I, I, it's a blind confidence that one day I'm going to work with these guys. Yeah, I, I love everything about this because that's the exact same way I am about this fucking podcast. Yeah. I'm like, it does, I'm not worried. Joe Rogan had his podcast for maybe like, he started that podcast in what, like 2009? He's done it for a long time. And I know he's a, I am a big fan of Joe. I don't even listen to his podcast that much. And I know that could be controversial. I know, I, yeah, I know, but I, I'm on the exact same page. He started think, smoking weed on a with his boys. And now it's the biggest podcast in the world that anyone wants to be on. The single biggest platform in the world. And so, when he yes. did UFC, he was just getting his flight, he just said, pay for my flight. He has the dream job. And he's doing what you love. and commentates for his favorite sport in the world he he has a good but yeah so he started many years ago just him and his boys yeah. smoking weed like you said now it's the biggest podcast in the world and now he has responsibility I, but exactly and a lot more comes yeah. that but i'm the same way where it's like i'm uh, two years into this if i do this for i'm gonna keep doing it as yeah. long as i can find people to come on the show <laughs> you're gonna get 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 episodes of go with the flow yeah. and i truly believe that one day it'll get to that point where I will also work with any. Do you have one news. dream guest though? Like, I have a few dream guests. One that you feel like, but not one that's like a dream, like a dream dream, but like one that you feel it's actually a grasp. Yeah, you could you could feel it. See, here's my thing. I might not. Uh, I think I might just be an unrealistic person because that's good. Yeah, I think I think everything is mm -hmm. within reach. Who's this new podcast that's blowing up? This girl. Oh, Bobby, Alt yeah. Bobby Altoff, the industry plant. No, I'm yeah, I've heard the rumors. <laughs> but exactly, she had Drake be her second guest. She did tell the story, and she was big on TikTok oh, okay. beforehand. Gotcha. She was paying people to come on and then having people like DM her to come on the show. Yeah. She had a funny clip with Funny Marco. Drake liked the paint. And that was how. And then that's how she got her on. So she isn't like actually an industry plant. But to answer your question, one that I think is attainable. I mean, there's uh, no, I don't, the within grasp part makes, I think, so I'll just say, I think everything's within grasp. Yeah. So I think the dream, dream, dream is JC. JC. Jay-Z. Jay oh, shit. Jay-Z. Jay okay. Jay-Z. Not that he, when you say within grasp, I'm like, I literally truly believe anything's within grasp. Yeah. I don't know what rooms I might be in. You don't, you never know. No. But three dream guests, Jay-Z, Charlemagne the God. Charlemagne would be awesome. He's my favorite podcaster, favorite radio host. He's like the yeah. guy. He's recorded in the studios before. I'm like, this is, I keep hoping to run, feel the into, energy. run into him one day. Honestly, him and Andrew Schultz at the same time, that would be mad. To be okay. a guest on The Brilliant Idiots or to go on, on The Breakfast Club, those yep. are like dreams. And then Kevin Hart. Kevin, yeah, of course. And then the ones I say for like, because I started this Princeton specific and Princeton focus, and I've said this before on here. Jeff Bezos and Michelle Obama. Those are the two Princeton guests that I'm like, one day, going to make that happen. And where do you, uh, I don't want to talk too much about your job, but I, I'm just curious about where, like, do you think that could help you if you go really high in the uh, finance route, like moving horizontally that way? Yeah, honestly, yes, I, I think so. I think so. I think that's one way yeah. to do it. That's not the way I'd. I'm going to do it. Yeah, I'm just curious. Yeah, but that is one way because you do see some people... <laughs> excuse me when you become high up in your industry you do become that well connected yeah so that is a possibility but i don't think that's the route that i'm okay. gonna yeah. that i'm gonna take but yeah i just love the idea i don't even know how we got here but just the idea of dreaming big manifesting oh because you were saying just knowing any guys. podcast is gonna end up come or any comedian you believe you're gonna end yeah. up working with and i think cats can be that vehicle and there's but i cats as i my eyes set and i tell about these much sure that's quite like dream venues that we have lined up additionally is oh, it? that was a question. Did I have an ask that? No. It was, it's on there. Oh, beautiful. What dream, <laughs> other dream venues in Manhattan? <laughs> um, the dream ones I'm bringing out there is Empire State Building. Okay. That's a big dream. Like just New York, um, the Edge. You know the Edge? The Edge, yeah. Uh, it's in Yards. Uh, Kleinfeld Bridal Shop. Um, what's another one? Those are the big three right now, I would say. Is there another one that I'm leaving out? I don't know when these are going to happen, but these are definitely ideas that we're trying to really work towards and make it happen. And did you say when we met the first time that you have something planned with Andrew Schultz? Andrew Schultz. The only thing we have loosely planned with Andrew Schultz, but he's going on an international tour, is we both went, to, me and Andrew Schultz went to the same elementary school, oh. PS6. And that's where I met Ethan in, on kindergarten on the chess team. There you go. Um, uh, Lenny Kravitz went there. JD Salinger went there. Um, yeah, iconic PS6. Shout out. 
There you go. So we David were, Levine. <laughs> I want to be on that website in the Wikipedia. But the thing was, we would do a show in the auditorium where charity give back for the school. Mm-hmm. And he would be the headliner and he loved it for the nostalgic value. Okay. It's just finding a date. It would have to be during the week because he's touring. And we had something tentative for October, but God bless him. We booked a huge international tour. So it doesn't be delayed a bit. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah, by far my, he's my favorite comedian by far. That's he's the Somewhere in the show right now. And from the store. I've only been to... To I've been actually went to the uh like two weeks before I went to your guys' show. Mm-hmm. I went to my first like comedy show in New York City, Where? Greenwich Village Comedy Store. And he was Greenwich. there? No, 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 no. Oh. I was no no. This yeah, is yeah, this yeah. is separate. I was gonna okay. get I was getting gonna get into that. Yeah. So went to your show, went to a different one before that. But outside of those two, which were both within the last like three months, yeah, have only been to two comedy shows and both have been Andrew Schultz. One was in New Brunswick. One was in Philly. So, so you saw his hour. Oh yeah, I saw his. I saw his hour. Which great. he's the man. He, yeah, insane. And he just a, a, he's someone like. And the best advice I've ever gotten. We did a show at Down Dog, which is a, a start yoga startup company. Mm-hmm. Not like, they're successful now. It's like the app. They really blew up during the pandemic. And one of the advices the owner gave because they worked out of this. They worked and lived out of this townhouse in Chelsea. And one of the advice the guy gave me, which I always say, Carlos is. Put your head down mentality. You're going to look back in two, three years and look how far you came. And one of the things he misses most, because now they're more established, is like, I love I love that I don't know phase. Where, where can this go? Mm-hmm. I think we're in the same boat. Like, what can this lead to? Yeah. Because like once you're established or you have a steady job or it's like every day just making sure it doesn't, think, doesn't go awry, yeah. you sort of miss that excitement. So head down mentality, the I don't know phase, appreciate how great this is, the highs and lows, and then... Doesn't always feel that great, you know. But oh, I, believe I, me. Yeah. But uh, when you, yeah, when it's steady, he says he misses it. So, and so, initially the shows were only Manhattan. You did a show in the Hamptons recently, yes. And now you have an upcoming show in Chicago. And we did one in Brooklyn. If you can tell oh, you one in Brooklyn? We we had one in Brooklyn, one show, and we're gonna try and do another one. Okay, I guess I can. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay, yeah. But why was it the time to expand outside of the tri-state area? And why was Chicago the first? Location. Yeah, there's a few. So the dream is <clears throat> we're going to find these cat's deli equivalents all over the country because every place has a heart and soul small business where when you say the venue, holy shit, you're doing a show there. Um, and then the reason why Chicago is Ethan and all of his brothers, they actually all went to use Chicago. So there's a Chicago base. I have a cousin in Chicago. I have one or two friends who are from there. Um, and then our intern, who I hope I can make our full our full hire Next year, be the first person we like full time hire. How about that's another question, but finish it and then I was yeah. Sorry. Um, he's from he goes to he's a, going to be a senior at U Chicago. Okay. What's funny about our production is that our whole team is pretty much U Chicago and Syracuse. Love it. <laughs> um, and yeah, so just between that that network and Chicago being it's drivable, which is great. We're driving there. Oh, is Chicago though? I mean, yeah, it's about te- twelve hours. Anything on the continental U.S. is yeah, technically yeah. Drivable, drivable, but okay. Um. And we just, they felt comfortable in the city. We found a venue that said yes. We did try LA once or twice. And I have my thoughts on LA. Um, Go to LA on Thursday. I could really? help you scout out some venues, yeah. Please, yeah. I, just, <laughs> I feel like there's just, just a lot. And uh, listen, I lived in LA for a year and it was the, through school and it was the greatest pro time of my life. But um, yeah, it just, we weren't able to pull it together. Um, but Chicago, everything came together. We're doing the Wiener Circle. Which is like supposedly this drunk. They curse at you when you order. They have personality. It's funny because I, when I was on your Instagram, I yeah. saw some of the like news stories about it. So yeah, that's why I have a good idea of it now. And we just wanted to play so people say holy shit. And uh, listen, selling tickets out for that show is going to be interesting. Well, we the first push was good. It's not sold out yet, but I'm very confident. You know, it's only it's still a month away. I'm gonna say shows what it's on September twentieth, twentieth, Wednesday, September twentieth. I think this episode might come out. It's going to come out right before it, actually. Let me see. Wait, no, I'm still listening. I'm just yeah. going to come out. If you hear this episode... It's coming out. Uh, this episode's coming out on the 18th of September, so two days before. So I'm hoping we're sold out by then, but if you live I in Chicago <laughs> and you hear this episode, Wiener Circle, comedy.uo, you can buy a, buy tickets there. There you go. Yeah, so... But that's also a challenge. My dream is, and I feel like I want to start working in a city where they have some local talent. Mm-hmm. So there's like, I've been recommending like five names that are really talented. I'm only working with two local people and then I'm bringing, flying out three New York comics. You're flying out. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is co- more into the business side of things, yeah. which are some questions I had about. You just mentioned you had an intern. How big is the team? How big is the operation that makes this makes this thing happen? I'm Before I answer that question, I'm curious. I sort of give some hints. From your perspective, how big did you think our team was 
based on the show that I want. First other show you went to, just from doing research from the outside, that you have an inkling of like what you. Th- the way that it seems from the outside is that it's just you and Ethan running the show. And then you might have some people day of like actually physically move stuff in and okay. out. Yeah. I mean, no, you had some people selling the drugs. Okay, let me rethink really this. Go in. There's, no, you were at the door. There were two people selling drinks. No selling. It's open bar. Open. Yeah, oh, yeah. You're right, you're right. Which I love. Yeah, yeah. My bad. My yeah. bad. Open bar, which I love that mm-hmm. aspect of it too. Two people at the bar. Someone taking pictures. Okay, I'm going to say it's a team of six people is my... Yeah, you know, and that's accurate. So me and Ethan, the full t- we're doing this full-time comedy, baby. And then we have Ross as our intern. Um, and then, but really people who are part of the team who make this show run and they're absolutely amazing is well, Will DeVito, Will on film on Instagram, who I went to Syracuse with. Shout he, out, Will. He's through underground shows in college. Nice. Which I would perform on. And they were great in basements, packed it together. So illegal. <laughs> like $3 drink at this little bar. It was amazing. Um, some of my highlights at school. And... Uh, He's our cameraman. And I'm not sure how much he's a film student, but I'm not sure how much like photography, media background he had before shooting our shows. And he's just so talented and hardworking. So Will DeVito. Does, does he make the clips also? Um, now he outsources them. Okay. Like he has from the company he used to work at, he has like someone who we pay like to edit per clip. But he does that. Um the cool thing is he's working on a cat's documentary, which I can talk about. About that coming together, and that's gonna be coming out. We're gonna be doing screenings, which I'll invite you to. Uh, September 26th is the first one for like friends and industry. Just about how that whole night came together. Mm-hmm. Pretty much a more extensive video capturing of what we were talking about awesome. and how the chaos. But uh, And then there's Beth Palumbo, who I went to Syracuse with, who I met at the LA program. Um, they both have full-time. Will had a full-time job, recently left, but he's doing a ton of freelance work. Beth works at a company, and she does a lot of our marketing, makes the decks for us um, part-time. And, and then we have Arhan, who's a high school friend of mine, who recently left a talent agency and he really helps with the sponsorship sides. Okay. So like the show you went to, do we, have a sponsor? we didn't have a sponsor at that show, but like the sponsor we've had, we've had Malibu Jameson. He's been the guy bringing those in. Wow. Okay. So it's a well-oiled machine. Yeah. You guys got something cool. It's cool. to pitching you on the vision. It's like be a part of something special and just know that we're turning into something special. That's the belief and grow, grow with us. And much earlier in the podcast, you mentioned that the initial goal was just to be breaking even. Yeah. I assume you guys are doing a little more than breaking even. Yeah, listen, now we profit, but the main thing is like, how do we put it into the show? And now this is the first year we started paying ourselves. Okay. First two years, I had to, Ethan was pre-med and doing the, you know, working at the dental offices. I had a dog walking business. I also coached middle school basketball. Okay. Which is the, one of the greatest things I've ever done in my life. That sounds like the goal. One day, I can't wait to have kids. I want to coach all their sports teams. Are you going to be a screamer? I'm, oh, am I going to be a screamer? Oh, of course. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my God. That was, that's the only way to do it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, coaching middle school basketball. Um, but now, we're finally able to pay ourselves a little bit and uh, definitely ease us some stress. Because I was living at home until I graduated two years ago. I was living at home for the first year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And Ethan moved out like a year ago as well. So, Which is that sacrifice that you make for something to take off. And it's funny. People think about sacrifice. I, I feel like when people hear sacrifice is such a big word, but when you love what you do, like when I love, I don't even think about it as like the crazy sacrifice. shit we do. Just whatever needs to happen. Yeah. Show what must you, go on. Do what you got to do. do I love that. Do. I love that. I love everything about this. And one of my last questions for He's, you is what do you see, not an end goal, yeah. but what do you see as the potential for underground, overground? Or are we going to be doing shows in Lagos, Nigeria? Are we going to be doing shows in London, England? What do you see as the the ultimate goal for this? With my good friend in Nigeria, that is a dream one day. So the dream <laughs> is to do, you know, make this, I think, first domestically all over the country and then maybe like English-speaking countries. Uh, like definitely, I think London and Canada are definitely attainable. Um, England, you know. But uh the goal, it's scary because every year we sort of, I, I'm, we've been blessed. We set goals. I'm big on writing out goals. And the beginning of every year, we set out goals for how much we want to, how much are we going to profit, the amount of tickets we're going to sell. And we've been exceeding them every year, which is a great feeling. Um, IPO one day. I want to invest. IPO. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so shows all over, a special. The dream is I'm going to shoot a Cats, Cats Deli special. Wow. That's the big dream. And I don't want it to just be another special that you see on Netflix and lose the algorithm. It's going to be with the right guest. My dream, oh. Adam Sandler. Adam, you heard it here first. <laughs> someone of his caliber. Someone who, Adam secretly a listener of Go With The Flow. Yeah. <laughs> he reaches out after. But someone of his caliber. Someone who matches the wall cat's deli. Someone who's an in, like been around a legend of his craft. And uh, 
and finding iconic institutions all over. And then I don't know what's, I really don't know. Uh, we are dabbling into other things. You have We have shows coming up where we're working with chefs now. We're doing like food, before, like small bites before the show. Um, we're trying to maybe get magicians to come to the show. And then the dream is if we're doing big after party. What makes Chappelle Chappelle, why he's been a genius from the beginning besides his comedy, is since he was young, he always had a musical act at the end of a show. Mm. And I believe the synergy is there. Mm-hmm. So my dream is five years from now, we're doing a show at a big venue. Last act, Drake. <laughs> Drake <laughs> does a song or two. He can do one song, Again, get the hell out. Manifested, which is exactly what Chappelle just did too. Exactly. MSG. Travis came in and got out. And then Bur- I think whatever show, I was just listening to a podcast where they talk about this. But yeah, Travis did it. And then one show, Burna Boy was out and also did a few songs. And then and I kind of want to waste, I understand how their time is valuable. So come in, do your song. You can, you can hang out, which I'd love. If you need to leave, leave. But that is the dream where I want people to lose. Our shows are an event. They're not just a show. It's an experience. You're coming for the whole thing. That's why we try to add a food element or let you hang out after. Sorry. Like when you came to the show, you felt like, you know. We hung out. Yeah, we hung. Even it was a work night, which, yeah, I'm start trying to do more during the week. So it was like a Tuesday, Wednesday night. We hung out for a little bit after. Spoke exactly. to you for a little bit. We're not rushing you out like a traditional comedy club. Exactly. The next show's happening. So yeah. make it very relaxed and it's young. And so do you... Is there ever a because in my mind the way that it is right now is just intimate venues, but you yeah. just mentioned that it's a stadium. So are you? Eventually I'm not trying, trying to, to state. Oh. No, 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 no. It would just be a show. Like I think there's spaces like Cats can hold 300. I think there's mm-hmm. probably spaces where we could do that are out there that could probably for four or five hundred. But still even is still intimate. Exactly, exactly. four exactly. or five hundred is still intimate when you think in the grand scheme of arenas and stadiums. So five hundred is definitely, definitely still intimate. Because we have about one other the Brooklyn venue can hold about. 220 which is just great so gotcha i don't know i don't know what we're gonna find i have loved every second of this podcast we are going to come to the music segment the music identity segment do you have your songs i think i can remember all them okay amazing so for anyone who's a new listener first time listening i asked my guests it's the one reoccurring segment on the show yeah ask my guests to come with five songs to describe who they are as a person i leave it very open-ended and open for interpretation because i like to see the different ways in which people will take it. So your five songs, please. And so say the song and say why you chose it. All right. First song, uh, School Spirit by Kanye West. Great song. Um, as someone who wasn't happy at, just wasn't happy in school in the first two years, um, I just felt something like that small mind, small pond mentality, like think big. I just felt like restricted there. So I would listen to him for inspiration. I like I didn't drop out, but I would listen to him. <laughs> and he had that iconic line where it's like the valedictorian was a, a waiter. Uh, um, I don't know the exact line right now, but that really connected with me. So just his view on college. Um, the next song, should I just go right into the next one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just keep going. Yeah. The next song is uh, "Pursuit of Happiness" by Kid Cudi. Um, that is just probably the first song I remember when I heard it for the first time. Um, I was in a hotel room on a basketball trip. Um, in the winter, it was like February winter basketball trip, and I've always I, first song I think I learned all the words to. And Kid Cudi's one of my favorite artists. Crush a bit, little a bit, bit, roll it up, take it. Yeah. <laughs> great song, uh, great song. Driving drunk. You know, <laughs> that was just, that's that, probably my favorite song. It's like, can relax me. Um, I really want to see if I can remember all five. This is an interesting one. I'm curious if you've heard of this artist. Frankie Lyman, Little Bitty Pretty One. Not heard of the song or Frankie artist. Lyman is the one who inspired, like, inspired Michael Jackson and Jackson 5. Okay. Um, he's like a talented 13-year-old, 12-year-old on air. And they have like, the chorus of songs like, mm, 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 mm. and like, uh, I always hear it in commercials. I probably fucked up the <laughs> beat to it, but it's just like, I always play it. I'm humming a song. And I'm always humming that song. And that artist is one of my favorite. Um, my dad was a lot older, so I actually skipped. I didn't really grow up with 80s and 90s music. I grew up with 60s, 50s, 60s music. Okay, huh? um, that's three, right? Yes. Four, New York State of Mind by Nas, just because there's one line, sleep is the cousin of death. And that is something, my whole life I've never been a good sleeper. I would not claim that I'm an insomniac. I've just always been on a weird calendar. That's why I think comedy helps me, is the shows are popping from 7 to 1 a.m. And that's where I feel like I'm at night. It's prime time for you. Prime time. And the last one is... Fifth and final, bring it home. Empire State of Mind, being from New York. But this is cheesy why um, Dwayne Wade, I idolized as a kid. And in that song, if Jesus playing LeBron, I'm playing Dwayne Wade. And ever since that, I when I first heard that song, <laughs> I would scream his name. And I've always felt deep connection there. One thing about that song is 
It's a great song. And, and I can't even imagine yeah. what it's like for you living in New York your whole yeah. life and being from New York. Even as someone who never lived here until intern summer 2021, yeah. I remember the first time I was out and that song comes on, you are yelling it with your whole chest. You feel yeah. like you are truly living <laughs> a New York moment right there. And it makes me proud when I'm out of town and just start to connect my favorite player with my city. It's just perfect, perfect. Awesome. Yeah. This, wow. First of all, thank you for coming on. Yeah. From literally just me approaching you at the end of the show, DMing you, giving me your number. I like hustlers and people follow through. That's one thing about me. I'm going to follow through to the point that it's annoying, but I will follow yeah, through. That's how you. I get people on here. That's how I keep this things going. But yeah, thank you for coming on. Really yeah. appreciated it. Really enjoyed this episode. think it's one that people will enjoy also. Oh, yeah. Love what y'all are doing. Wishing you all the success in the world. Um, and yeah, this is, I love to see people have an idea, execute it, make it happen, and then just scale it from there. And so, yeah, this has been an inspiring episode, a very fun episode. And yeah, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Spread love. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any final words for the people? <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm, you're the first person to really have me on a podcast. So thank you. When you make it big, when, when we're both big, when yeah. I'm a massive podcast and you're a massive comedy show. Yeah. We're going to look back at this and be like, look look where we started. But thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been another episode of Go With The Flow.